Hi, welcome to Around the World in 80s Movies. My name is Vince Leo. I am the author of the film review website, Quipster.net. I invite you to check out over 4,000 of my written reviews covering all eras of film at my website. Quipster.net is where to go. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. Today, I'm going to get into the second of a three-part series looking at vampires and vampire films of the 1980s, specifically with teenagers in the protagonist role. Last week, we looked at The Lost Boys. This week, we're going to go back a couple of years with Fright Night from 1985. Fright Night is a film that is rated R, although most people don't remember that. It does have nudity, gore, violence, and language. The runtime is an hour and 46 minutes. William Ragsdale gets the main starring role. Chris Sarandon, Amanda Bierce, Roddy McDowell, Stephen Jeffries, and Jonathan Stark are also in the film. Tom Holland is the director as well as the screenwriter. William Ragsdale stars as Charlie Brewster, Charlie's a typical suburban teenager who has a special interest in old-time horror B-movies, the kind that are seen on the local Creepfest TV showcase called Fright Night. That show is hosted by the self-proclaimed king of vampire hunting films, Peter Vincent, played by Roddy McDowell. Now, it's all fantasy to Charlie, at least until he spies on his new neighbors in the house next door and discovers that there's a man there that is, in fact a vampire himself, or so Charlie thinks, that vampire played by Chris Sarandon. Human bodies end up dead throughout the town, and no one is going to listen to Charlie's assertions of that vampire next door. And trouble begins brewing when Charlie's tenaciousness draws the ire of Jerry, the vampire himself, who threatens he's going to take down Charlie and everyone he loves before Charlie can take him down first. Knowing that he needs help, Charlie turns to the only man he knows that is known to have experience killing vampires, that is Peter Vincent himself, although in reality Peter Vincent is no killer, he just plays one on TV. When Jerry has his sights set on Charlie's girlfriend Amy, played by Amanda Bierce, The war is now on between the men for love and continued life. Fright Night is a cult favorite horror comedy of the video and cable area. It provided a bridge between the classic B-movie horror films and the more modern gory slasher movies that ruled the early 1980s. It takes a very simple vampire premise and then ends up tossing it in the middle of suburbia, where we find this teenage boy has nowhere he can hide from the clutches of a powerful vampire who can watch his every move because he lives right next door. It's seen as the boy who cried wolf story, but this time with a vampire tossed in and merges that with a Brian De Palma-esque sensational and erotic thriller element with goopy but mild gore, and it makes for an entertaining adolescent fantasy film for lovers of the macabre. Now, good casting is the strength of this enjoyable horror release. You have newcomers William Ragsdale, who beat out the likes of Charlie Sheen for the role. Charlie Sheen was deemed too good-looking, too handsome, too hunky for the boy-next-door role. And Amanda Bierce, who first-time director Tom Holland cast because the then 26-year-old actress could be believed in making the transition from virgin to slut. Those are his words, not mine. They're very appealing as the main protagonists. And there's this memorably energetic turn in a dual-toned role by future gay porn actor Jeffries as evil. Jeffries was cast into this role. He actually wanted to be the main star, but he was cast as evil Ed because 
He was accidentally sent by his agent in lieu of Anthony Michael Hall to the audition for Weird Science. The casting director remembered him fondly, even though he was not the person that they had asked for. Chris Sarandon, who does remarkably look like a young Hammer horror movie-aged Christopher Lee, he initially was passing on the role. He oozes menace underneath his metrosexual charisma in every scene he's in. Sarandon had to be courted into this role. He had no interest in being in a horror movie, especially one that was directed by someone who was a first-time director, no less. Sarandon ended up loving the role, and he had an instant rapport with Tom Holland. He ended up working in another horror movie with Holland for Child's Play just a couple of years later, and again for The Stranger Within. However, it's really veteran actor Roddy McDowell who appeared in a Tom Holland-scripted film before in Class of 1984. He proves to be the one to watch as Peter Vincent. His character name derived from two old-school horror greats, Peter Cushing and Vincent Price. McDowell really tries his best to show bravery with knees wobbling from out-and-out fear with every step closer to Jerry's presence. Ryan McDowell says that he used Burt Lahr's performance in The Wizard of Oz for his inspiration. Vincent Price was originally sought for that part, but he was a little too physically ill at the time to act without a lot of effort, and he felt that he had spoofed his image so many times in horror films to merit coming back to the movies for yet another example. However, when he saw the film, he complimented McDowell for his portrayal of the B-movie Vampire Slayer, especially in the way that he makes the character his own instead of an impression of him. McDowell was the one who decided not to emulate Vincent Price. He thought the best way to go was to make him a bad actor because he reasoned that Peter Vincent was in B-movies and really could not get out of that mode, unlike Vincent Price, who was actually a terrific actor. The originally scripted ending involved a twist in which Peter Vincent is revealed to be a vampire himself by turning into a bat on his TV show, but wiser heads ended up prevailing and that was never filmed. Now, unlike most other combinations of comedy and horror, Fright Night works because we like these characters. We like their interactions. It's kind of similar to Ghostbusters the year before. We're on the side of the good guys, not because we hate the bad guy per se, but because we learn enough about these protagonists to want them to succeed. We can even claim to not despise the bad guy here because Jerry is seductive and on occasion surprisingly merciful and willing to let Charlie off the hook for knowing what he knows, provided that he agrees to forget. However, we have this irresistible force and this immovable object in both of their character makeups, and so the real test comes in seeing which one is going to end up folding first. Now, many fans have caught on to the homoerotic undertones within the interplay between the two main characters, although the actors were not really explicitly made aware of them until they saw the film to witness Charlie's rear window-esque voyeurism. He ignores the green light for sex given by his girlfriend in order to watch the carnal escapades of the man next door, and Jerry's enticing lines to the perhaps closeted evil Ed. You know, his quote is, "'You don't have to be afraid of me. I know what it's like to be different.'" Tom Holland, upon hearing that a lot of people have this read of his film, has subsequently claimed that while he sees this reading as valid, the gay subtext was not a conscious decision on his part, although he definitely agrees that it is there for those who seek it. However, in the comparison to Ghostbusters, you know, Ghostbusters plays a lot more for laughs than scares. Fright Night is not really 
funny, it is comical, but it generates most of its amusement from the comic relief that's provided through the tensest of moments, rather than in anything that would be funny on its own. And without the lighter tone and the allusions to classic horror of days gone by, I think this would be fairly routine stuff, very derivative of other vampire flicks that have come before. It's kind of like An American Werewolf in London. That's another movie that features lengthy scenes of practical effects, of transformation from man to monster, Coincidentally, former ILM, Industrial Light and Magic Effects guru Richard Edlund's Boss Film Corporation also did some of the effects work for Ghostbusters under the team's original name of Effects Entertainment Group. The interest is raised in the telling of the story rather than the story itself, and Fright Night spins a pretty good vampire yarn with a comic book mentality that actually does work. Now, Fright Night would end up proving to be a decent hit at the box office, primarily because its production budget was a modest 8 to $10 million, and that it would end up raking just under $25 million. That was the second highest horror film of that year, just behind Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2. That was not bad at all for a film that had an R rating, but was not entirely appealing to adults. It did better than the John Hughes film, by the way, Weird Science, a PG-13 teen-oriented film with a hit song on the radio that came out the same week. You know, it's kind of hard to believe in retrospect that Fright Night would outdo that film at the box office and did even better once it hit home video. A follow-up was already given the green light before it was even released into theaters because of positive test screenings, but it actually didn't even come out into theaters until 1988. And that film was written, but not directed by Holland, who instead concentrated his efforts behind the camera for that other horror franchise in the making, Child's Play. Now, Friday Night is not the sort of film that you could point to as an example of a trend-setting horror film, so much as one that actually took pre-existing conventions at the time and blended them into this satisfying hybrid. It took all of the popular teenage films of the early 1980s, the campy horror, the voyeuristic sex comedies, the suburban paranoia, and all of those things that were tropes of the era, and capitalized on their appeal enough to overcome any redundancy in its execution of these other films. Writer-director Tom Holland, who had already penned a few minor camp classics in the early 80s, you know, he wrote Psycho 2, he wrote Cloaking Dagger, which was his other film about a boy who cries wolf, and he wrote, as I mentioned earlier, Class of 1984. This really tested his ability to conceive his vision with his first directorial outing. As Fright Night shows, Tom Holland studied the old films and brought their visual appeal to a modern generation quite well. And Fright Night is a film that entertains pretty much any time I catch it. I really enjoy Fright Night. I don't consider it a great film. I consider it a very fun film, but it delivers pretty much any time I watch it. So I'm going to give Fright Night three stars out of four. Three stars on my scale means I do recommend it for those people who like this kind of movie. Obviously, if you're a fan of the 1980s and you like your horror films, you definitely want to give this one a look if you haven't done so already. I can imagine if you're an 80s fan and like horror films, this probably is one you've watched multiple times over the years. Three stars is what I'll give Fright Night. And as far as what I'm going to follow this up with, I might be cheating here a little bit. I claim that I would be reviewing films in which the protagonist was a teenager in a horror movie, a vampire movie. Next week, I'm going to follow up Fright Night with its sequel that came out just a couple of years later with Fright Night Part 2, 
And I do believe that the main character, Charlie Brewster, is in college by then. Whether he's still technically a teenager or not, I don't remember at the time that I'm recording this. But I will get into that as I review it next week. So Fright Night Part 2 for the next episode. Thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope that you enjoyed this review. If you haven't done so already, I do encourage you to click the subscribe button, and you'll continue to get all of these reviews as they come out. I also encourage you to reach out to me. Let me know what you've been thinking about this show, if you've enjoyed the show, or if you have any suggestions on what I can do to make it better, at least for your listening experience. I do encourage you to write to me. You can find my contact information at my website. That's at quipster.net. Q-W-I-P-S-T-E-R.net. While you're there, if you enjoy films of today, I also have another podcast. It's called the Quipster Film Review Podcast. You will find the link there at that site. Until next time, thanks everyone for joining me on this trip around the world in 80s movies. Who's it gonna be tonight?